Hello, this is Midnight's Insomnia. I'm your host, Haidar. And of course, since this is the first episode of this show, I would like to give you some backstory about me. I am just your average normal guy, cruising through life like everyone else. And I am a video editor, a very good one if you may, uh, to which I got the inspiration and actual experience from movies, I guess. I love the cinematography, I love those, those stories too. Because I used to watch a lot of them and play a lot of games in my younger days. To which I'm still playing and I'm still watching to this day. So I had a bit of a leaning to making videos more than making games because, you know, making games is far harder than making a video. So the stories portrayed in those movies and TV shows actually gave me company and gave me connections with characters I'll never meet. So... Consequently, I've decided to make a podcast talking about those movies and media that got me through a lot of sleepless nights that I'm sure most people had too, and uh, just trying to burn through them with a good movie. So, this should be a given, everyone. Please don't take anything that I say too seriously. I'm no critic uh, or rating these movies. I'm just a guy that loves talking about them. So, I really hope that you tune in with uh, with me in this podcast and share the hashtag insomniac on twitter at insomniacspod to get more people in it and just grow our family i guess and so with that out of the way let's talk about the obvious the name of the podcast has the word insomnia in it and it always reminds me of fight club david finch's 1999 masterpiece which of course was based on 1996 novel of the same name by chuck palanwick which, please, I don't know if I said that name correctly, but I hope I didn't butcher it. Uh, which also continued the story in 2015 in the graphic novel Fight Club 2 and 2019's Fight Club 3. So, basically, I have a good memory that I really want to share with you guys about how I watched this movie. So, the first time I watched this movie was basically like two years ago. Like uh, two or three years ago. But first, let's talk about the day. So it was a very snowy day that day, and I happened to wake up at 7 a.m. to go to school. So I just saw that everything was white, and everything was silent, and it was magical, really. So I called up my friends and say, to see like uh, if we're going to school, if our teachers are, are going to come. So they told me to meet them downstairs, and, we, and I met them. Then uh, we called uh, one of our teachers, and he said that, uh, they're not coming, so it was free day for us. So we went. Uh, everyone went back to his home, and I went back to my to my room, and I just looked at my uh, my computer and tried to find something to watch at seven a.m. It was cold, and I couldn't sleep, so I just went and searched for a movie that I that I downloaded or or something. So. I happened to to be uh, to have downloaded Fight Club that day, so I just fired it up and started to watch it. So first opening scene actually hooked me up, um, hooked me really well uh, for the movie, and I just wanted to eat something, so I just went and ate some French fries that I had, and it was not your usual morning. Uh, per se, but it was my morning that day, and I loved that memory so much. 
because after I finished the movie, it was I was baffled. Uh, the ending, the twist, and everything in between, the cinematography, the music, it was amazing. So I guess with that out of the way, let's cue the music and start the show. Okay, from what I saw about this movie, it was a celebration of violence, and going back to the basic animalistic instincts that the male has, like breaking free from the shackles of what society established as the normal standard of living. Like, so, we study, then we get a job, then we work until we die, and the only thing that keeps us going is buying shit that we don't need just to impress people that we don't like, or just for the sake of having it. So... I guess we're basically yearning for a better reality, I guess. Like, the movie goes from the protagonist going through depression, insomnia, and crying himself to sleep, basically, and accepting what's, what's, what society throws at him, to meeting Tyler Durden at the flight. Like, he's just a soap salesman living his life to the fullest, in a broken house, a literal broken house. And after his apartment burns down, the narrators... Uh, apartment burns down, he just calls Tyler for a stay for a few days, as those two bored men then make an underground club with strict rules of letting everything go, and fight other men who are fed up with their mundane lives and lose to one another in the most basic form of therapy, if you see it that way too. As then it just develops into a more broader audience around the country. Uh, they are creating an organization that just trains itself as an army to bring down modern civilization. They start Project Mayhem, and it's all about tearing down what they deem is the illusion man has created for himself, with uh, the, just the pop culture, the fashion, the status symbols, the possession-seeking, that they have all perceived as distracting us from truly living our lives. The movie explores Tyler's ideology in just a lot of ways that are interesting, and of course only can be done by the amazing Brad Pitt and his stellar performance here. And of course, same credit goes to Edward Norton, making us see a lot of things of what an insomniac's mind can do. And please, without me saying heavy spoilers ahead. So yeah, let's go through the movie and a small summary about it. So when the story begins, the narrator is just a recall coordinator for a major car company, shown to be named Federated Motor Corporation in the film. He just starts out suffering from chronic insomnia that caused him to burn through his life in a flat, half-asleep state of depression. He just finds temporary relief by attending various support groups under false pretenses. But when this stops working thanks to Marla Singer, his insomnia returns and worse than before. It's shortly after, after this, when he quote-unquote meets his split personality in the, in the form of Tyler Durden, and his average boring life is turned upside down. So throughout the movie, the narrator has been subjugated to Tyler Durden's attempts to force him to hit rock bottom, like reaching a state of enlightenment in Tyler's head, even saying this memorable quote, it's only that we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. However, the narrator is a bit slow to grasp Tyler's lessons, at one point, he even convinces himself that he has indeed become enlightened, only to be frustrated by Tyler telling him that he is still self-deluded and isn't even trying to hit bottom. It eventually becomes apparent that his feelings for Marla are what keeps him from progressing further. He 
He doesn't want to be uh, to embrace Tyler's goals or destroy, uh, destroy society. He just wants Marla. Though, after Tyler disappears, the narrator becomes more and more unsettled about Project Mayhem because he doesn't know anything about it. This comes to a climax when Bob, a guy that he met in one of those support groups, winds up killed. So the narrator decides to find Tyler, hoping to convince him to shut the whole thing down. Then he learns that not only Tyler is his own split personality, but he plans to take over, so replacing the narrator completely. He also discovers that Tyler's plan is to blow up major card, uh, credit card buildings, and all of this is sends him into a panic as he frantically just tries to stop Tyler Durden's plans from succeeding. At the end of the movie, Tyler makes it clear to the narrator that he plans to kill Marla on the grounds that she stands in the way of the narrator's freedom. So this is the final straw for him, who just opts out to kill himself and destroy Tyler in the process. So apparently Tyler dies, but the narrator survives because the bullet merely goes through his cheek rather than his head. Marla then is brought by members of Project Mayhem under orders from Tyler, and here we come to a junction. So the movie version of the story ends with Marla and the narrator hand in hand silently watching buildings explode as Tyler's plan takes effect and saying the iconic line of you have met me at a very strange point in my life while where is my mind by the pixies is plain and on a personal note it is the second best melody I've ever heard in my whole life. Second only to Silent Hills Not Tomorrow by Akira Yamaoka. However, this is in sharp contrast to the end of the novel. In that version of the story, the building explosions fail, and the narrator then shoots himself right in front of Marla. He subsequently winds up locked in a mental ward, wrongly assuming that the gunshot killed him and that he is in heaven. Such a dark ending, if you ask me, but the movie did its own spin on it, by not making us see what the aftermath of the project was, almost like a cliffhanger. But then again, the movie was amazingly done by David Fincher basing it on the novel and making it come to life for the audience. So now I'll just give you some scenes that I absolutely loved watching, and some were hints about Tyler not being a real person, and just the projection of what the narrator wanted to be, like Tyler is the ideal man from the narrator's perspective. He's the exact opposite of what the narrator is. He's free in all the ways the narrator isn't, finding his devil-may-care outlook exciting, liberating, and even inspiring. Ironically, he's him, because he has that potential we saw in the movie. Of course, that charisma that he has has a dark side, manipulating people to do his bidding with such intensity that it almost feels like brainwashing, caging them again like society did all this time. So I got a bit carried away, so let's go to those scenes. So, the dinner talking scene. Tyler says in the movie, what you own ends up owning you. Of course, Tyler being the mental projection of the narrator, doing the exact same thing to him. Which is amazing, after I rewatched the movie and I found it out, it was mind-boggling. So, uh, the second scene is when the narrator first called Tyler and the call disconnects. He gets a call back from Tyler, but if you see carefully, it's written on the telephone, no incoming calls allowed. So this is another hint that Tyler is just a projection. He's not real. And the here, and here is a scene that I absolutely loved. The scene with the guy from the small store. He has a very valid point at that time. Of course he had terrorized him and got him deeply psychologically scarred. But the truth is there. 
The morning he'll wake up on will be the best there is. The meat he'll eat will be the best meal of his life. And such occasions of routines waking up and sleeping off makes us take things for granted. You wouldn't get that taste you want until you almost lose it. So basically, the only way to feel truly happy is by feeling sad. One, neg one negating the other. Making the lows very low and the highs very high. The, dis the dissatisfaction of doing no purpose, but by just continue living. Unlike the older generation fighting wars, this gen hasn't had anything but to accept what society established as the new normal standard. Then there's the car crash scene, which is a very amazing easter egg that I didn't find out until I read about it. Which says that the narrator was in the driver's seat rather than the passenger after the car crashed, hinting that they're one and the same again. And I think in the last scene, the narrator shooting himself in the cheek to kill off his projection of Tyler was only possible because he got the willpower to do it. He believed he would do it. He believed he could kill him. Maybe not as violently as shooting himself in the head, but symbolically. I guess he just accepted the fact that he isn't controlling him. That he can do anything. And that's why he uh, successfully killed him. So I guess I gave you a pretty good general idea about the movie and about the scenes that I loved and about everything. I know it's not that professional, but I guess I'm just freestyling it. Which which is kind of bad, but I really, this is the first episode, so possibly I'm gonna make it better. Okay, so the if you didn't watch the movie and you just heard this podcast, I would love for you to go watch it, okay? This movie has a lot of messages that I didn't convey and I didn't say as a director meant to be said but at least I've given a big, pretty good idea about it so I guess I'm gonna leave you with some final thoughts about it I guess this podcast is a pretty short but who cares so the movie talks about society and how society just bound us by some standards that we can't possibly do like some beauty standards some uh, work standards that just aren't that possible anymore. I guess not possible anymore or just never were possible. But we're bound to them. And it's sad. So what I want to say to you is most of what society tells you about what you should be will not make you happy. There are pressures to be a consumer of crappy culture. To buy all kinds of stuff like be a certain kind of person. What kind of furniture defines me? What kind of phone should I have? Or how should I act to be a real man? So here in this movie... The narrator got lost in all this stuff. Not just himself, but all the other male characters that are in the movie. And he made himself, made his self-esteem depend on it. He became anxious, addicted in a way. So much so that when Marla came in the picture, he felt like everything was falling apart. To which none is true. He also was extreme in his compliance with society, what society wanted and expected from him. He was just broken because of the extreme nature of his acceptance, including that he had no problems being complicit with major auto manufacturers not recalling cars that knew would kill people. Tyler Durden seems like a welcome break, I guess, from what torments the narrator, because he advocates anarchy and free will, but his extreme nature becomes dangerous too. I guess in the end, the narrator realizes that both possibilities of extreme exist within the same person, but you don't have to be bound to either extreme. You can break free and make your own reasonable decisions. 
We're not our jobs. We're not our money. Nor are we the old dancing, all sing crap of the world either. We're just individuals. We are what we make ourselves to be and who we align with. We decide who we are. And if we have the willpower, we don't have to kneel for, ever, uh, for anyone, even for ourselves. And always remember, you're absolutely unique, just like everyone else in the world. Sadly, in this day and age, everyone is a type, even if we don't want to be. So, I guess, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Share the hashtag Insomniac on Twitter, and follow us on Twitter, please. And I really hope I can see you in the next episode on a better reality and everything in between.